And welcome back to Top Chair Sports. I'm Victor. I'm joined today by Brett. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, it's been two weeks since our last normal Top Chatter episode. Uh, in the meantime, you did release a Hockey Thoughts on the 2020-2021 season recap and review. Please, everybody, go listen uh, all our hockey fans if you have not done so yet. Phenomenal job on that. And while we're... Uh, while we're talking about other hockey thoughts, there will be a hockey thoughts episode posted later this week. As you're listening to this, after within the first few days after the Seattle uh, expansion draft, so uh, and knows, the NHL draft as well, and the NHL draft. So uh, once all that happens, and Brett has had time to really dive in and gather thoughts on it, not just raw reaction, that will be posted. Yeah. So, um, jumping out of hockey to start, let's go to the NBA. Last we talked, the finals were set uh, of Suns versus Bucks, and nothing had actually started. And we've had quite the interesting series, huh? Yeah, it's been pretty interesting. Um, the Suns took the first two on their home court, then the Bucks took the next two on their home court. And then Game 5 uh, is a very, very close contest the other night with the Bucks finally winning on the road. So they're in the driver's seat. It looks like they'll probably win. I think it's something like historically like 80% of the time the team that wins Game 5 in a tie series ends up winning or something like that. So it's looking pretty good for Milwaukee. Um I, I honestly, I haven't watched much of it. I, I tried, and then I just still think about how easily the Sixers could be there, so it gets me upset still. So um, I kind of can't get super into it due to that. So it's uh, When I say it's been a good series, it's been a good series from the standpoint of it's still nice to see two teams that aren't always there, and uh, as far as where the series itself is at, we didn't have a blowout one way or the other as in terms of a sweep or a 4-1 win in the series. But each game has pretty decisively had a winner up till game five. Uh, the Suns just steamrolled the first and the second, I believe. I want to say they won the second game by 20. Um, and then once ahead to Milwaukee, I thought they would be very close games, but the Bucks kind of just rolled away with them. And then, uh, yeah, it wasn't until that game five that we really had a close one back and forth. But Bucks with Giannis back, I know he wasn't there for game one. I forget if he was back for game two or not in Phoenix. Uh, but looking very strong. And as you said, look statistically, I mean, odds are in their favor. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that'll probably be wrapped up by the next time we record. So uh, we will have more to talk about then. Um and then a couple other minor things from the NBA. The Washington Wizards got their new coach. Um, for whatever reason, they let go of Scott Brooks, who led them to the playoffs this year with a bad roster. I don't get it, but whatever. They signed Wes Unseld Jr. to a four-year deal. He was the associate head coach of the Denver Nuggets. Um, so we'll see how he does. Again, mm. I don't really get it, but... We'll uh, 
we'll see uh we'll see what they do we'll see how he does i mean um he's done over 20 years of coaching at different levels throughout his career so he's certainly an experienced guy uh but again i'm i just don't get it um another note damian lillard has denied a report that he's requested a trade but he did however say he wants the trailblazers to show more urgency to win to me that just sounds like him saving face and uh not wanting to make this a whole public thing um well i don't know what was your reaction to that if you saw that yeah uh i mean if you see any betting site it's just lined up everywhere with where will damian lillard play next and none of the top three options are the trailblazers so like you said i'm taking this as a safe face which at least he's being respectful about it. He's not causing a scene. He doesn't want this to be the spotlight. But yeah, behind the scenes, to me, it's definitely a sense of urgency. It does not mean over the next year to two. It means in the next few weeks, you need to do something to prove to me that I should stay. Otherwise, I do want out. And uh, it should be noted, he did end that interview saying, quote, I haven't made any firm decision on what my future will be. A lot of things go into it, end quote. So he left the door open, certainly. And then the last note for the NBA that I had is uh, that Will Barton has declined his player option of $14.7 million for next year. So he'll be a free agent. He was the Denver Nuggets longest tenured player. Uh, he spent the last seven seasons there. So I was a bit surprised to hear this. I don't know if he'll get more. I mean, I feel like in the NBA, every guy gets gets more on the open market anymore because the contracts are so insane anymore in the in the NBA. I mean, just so much money in that league because they, it just keeps growing and growing. Um, but he only averaged twelve points, four rebounds. It, he didn't. It wasn't anything hugely impressive. Um, but I'm sure he'll still get like a one year like. 22 million dollar deal or something so ultimately it'll be a good move for him so but he might not be a nugget anymore so that's kind of sad yeah yeah usually when you see those players bang on themselves they have uh, a very good track record in the past year going into it not just 12 points four rebounds yeah okay and that's it well yeah that wraps up nba uh two quick notes in We'll start off with the the bad or the more interesting news first. Richard Sherman uh, was arrested this past week for many different things. I believe it was five to six total different charges. After a domestic dispute broke out, um, there's video footage of him literally like pounding in a door, and then he got in an argument with is it his wife or his girlfriend? Um, his baby mama. Yeah. So thank you. Um, and after all that, uh, in which it was just ridiculous, and uh, I don't know if he was under the influence. I'm assuming he was. Everything from threats to then suicidal comments. Anyways, five, four days later now, uh, he pleads not guilty to all five charges and says he is remorseful for his actions. Uh, so therefore, I'm assuming he'll play just as normal in the NFL this next season and somehow this will all be forgotten uh, and never looked at again. Your thoughts? I mean, 
another day, another NFL player getting arrested. Nothing new, right? Yeah. That's all, that's all I have to say on the matter. So, yeah. Uh, over to the the good news, the bright spot. Um, Ted Ginn Jr. retires after his 14-year NFL career. Congrats to him on a heck of a career. Ever yeah. since... Yeah, just he retires at the age of 36 right now. Um, and after just a great job and career at Ohio State, successful career in the NFL, um, I don't think he walked away with a Super Bowl, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was in Carolina during the Saints one and then did not win one after that. I got to say, I'm not 100% sure if you're right or wrong. I don't know. Uh, Miami, San Fran. No, I'm fairly confident looking at the teams he's played for uh, that he did not win a Super Bowl. But still, nevertheless, uh, incredible career. Yeah, I just I remember my fondest memory of him is uh, there used to be a game on I forget what website. But it was like online somewhere. It was called Ted Ginn Kick Return. <laughs> um, oh my god, that game was so much fun. And again, that's that's what he'll that's what I'll remember him best for is how good he was at kickoff and punt returns. Um incredible player. Not not quite Devin Hester level, but incredible player. He gets overshadowed by uh Devin Hester, and rightfully so, but maybe not as much appreciation as he deserves. I, I concur. I concur with that. Okay, uh, that wraps up our NFL news, and now I'll send it back to you. There are some other notes in the NHL, even aside from things in your recap and review. Yes, there are. Yeah, so there were a decent amount of trades, a couple buyouts. Um, we can get into. I mean, we'll, we will get in. We will talk more about some of these things uh, during the expansion draft. Recap, I'm sure, but uh, wanted to touch on a couple things. The biggest buyouts to me, Keith Yandel was bought out by the Florida Panthers. He had two years left, I believe. It's a little surprising to me. Uh, no defenseman over the past eight years, I believe, has more power play points than Keith Yandel. Uh, so he'll certainly get picked up by someone somewhere. Uh, I'd be really surprised if not. And then the Minnesota Wild... Uh, I got to say, so back July 4th of 2012, I believe it was, when the Wild signed both Parise and Sue to the 13-year contracts, I think we all kind of knew this day would come eventually. But I got to say, them buying them out now, it certainly came a, a, quite a few years earlier than I was anticipating. Um, and I was surprised. I was genuinely surprised. Ryan Suter... Both are 36, I believe. Ryan Suter has still been playing at a very, very productive level and been a very good defenseman. Um, yes, probably not worth his cap hit, but productive nonetheless. So that surprised me, uh, considering how many years now they're going to have to pay him his buyout money against the cap. Um, Parise, not as surprising. He just has been so injured over the last few years and couldn't really get going again. Uh, but both are still productive players, and I can guarantee you both will find new homes relatively quickly. 
uh, once free agency opens up. And uh, there's even talk, Zach Parise said in an interview um, that uh, him and Ryan Suter have discussed signing in the same place again. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, but yeah. Sorry. Not a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, to jump in quick. Um, like you said, maybe not or definitely not worth their current contracts. But when you look at it as buying them out, I mean, you're still paying them. And now you're paying them for a slightly longer period of time. Um, but also I saw it only saves them, I think it came out to $6.3 million this year, and then 2.7 next year. And then every year after that, it's either less than a million, or it's actually costing them more, right? Because a buyout goes past the duration of what the contract would have been. Um, right. So when you look at it of, are you really going to upgrade in both those positions uh, compared to what they were with only that extra $6 million? Like, I, I just don't see it. Like to fill both those positions, uh, I mean, while still paying them and now you only have six mil to do it, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's definitely questionable. Um, Bill Guerin, you know, this is, I think, only his second year being a general manager for a team. So maybe he jumped the gun a bit here. Um, but certainly he has a busy offseason still ahead of him. They already locked up Erickson Act, but he still has a lot to do. Um, and there's still a lot of spec- trade speculation surrounding the team. So I'm assuming there's more coming, and this was the first step in order to help accomplish what they want to do. Uh, but it's certainly going to strap them, like you said, in the future, uh, just like we knew it would happen when they signed back in 2012. So it's amazing uh, how full circle it comes. Uh, especially knowing, I remember that offseason well. I don't know if you do, but because uh, the Penguins were very much in on Zach Parise to pair him with Crosby, and it was a really exciting time. And then uh, the same day, for the same same length and same amount of money, Suter and Parise. It was a pretty crazy day. Anyways, I'm I'm rambling. Uh, another note. Well, uh, yeah, another trade. The Rangers got the rights to Barclay Goudreau for a seventh round pick. Yep. Um, that it was just, you know, Tampa wasn't going to protect them. The Rangers wanted to sign them. Bada bing, bada boom. There were a couple deals like that. Um, the others was Jason Dickinson getting dealt from Dallas to Vancouver for a third. Um, same deal there. He was he was not a free agent, actually. Was he? No. No. It doesn't matter. Uh, same deal there. And the Stars also signed Mira Heiskanen to an eight-year extension that's going to pay him on an average of 8.45, but the way it's structured is pretty bizarre. He's going to be making like 11 mil one year. And then I think this coming year is only like six mil. I don't know, but on average 8.45, I thought this was a terrible contract. Um, Mira Haskinen to me is a very, very, very overrated player. I don't really think he's done anything in his career to warrant this kind of money. I understand he's still, just 26 no i lied he's a lot younger than that i think he's 22 he's 22 he's 22 um it's still i just don't really 
understand it. Uh, he eats up a lot of minutes. He like he plays a lot, which is good, and he's fairly reliable defensively. But um, yeah, I just don't get it. He's uh, especially I feel like last year's playoff run, he got a lot of attention uh, during the Dallas Stars playoff run, and rightfully so. Um, I definitely thought this is a lot. I mean, maybe by the end, you figure when he's twenty-eight to thirty. And whatever the cap is like, eight mil might be good for his caliber player if he really does uh, work up to. I think he was a third overall pick. Um, yeah, yeah. So if he goes up to that potential, but you know, winners of this signing, absolute winners, are Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, and Adam Fox. Uh, all of which who will be signing long-term contracts in the very near future. I think this offseason or next. And all three can pretty much use this as a comparable, saying. I'm slightly better than this guy based on what I've done and what I do for this team or each team respectively. Like you look at this and Kale, if he wants without a hometown discount, I think could ask for nine to nine and a half uh, with Quinn Hughes and Am Fox at least getting eight and a half also. You see, I don't even think they compare at all. Um, and you're absolutely right. Hughes and Makar both are restricted free agents this year. And Charlie McAvoy will be a free agent next year. Is another guy that can point to this. And to me, I mean, Kale McCarr is probably going to make 10 mil per. Um, he'll be one of the first defensemen ever to get that kind of money, and he deserves it. Um, and, yeah, this does not help that. You get Haskin at 8.45. All those guys we just named are going to com- command a lot more money than that. So, Yeah. Not good. Um, and when asked wh- about the extension, the Stars GM said that the Stars believe Haskinen will be a Norris contender for years. Okay, we'll see. You um, really do not have do not have much belief in this guy. A Norris contender for years? I think I- I'll believe it when I see it. I heard the same shit about John Klingberg, and has he ever been a Norris contender? No, and now he's thirty. So I don't. I don't really want to hear it. I I believe during the the length of this contract, I don't know what Klingberg's they, better. What's that? Klingberg's a better defender too than than Haskinen will ever be. Oh, okay. Well, that's a, that's a talk for another day. Uh, because I'd have to think about that. But anyways, I think that he will be nominated for a Norris minimum once, max twice during uh this contract. But I don't think he'll actually win one. I wholeheartedly don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, another trade that I liked uh, was the Islanders trading Nick Letty to the Red Wings for Richard Panic and a second rounder. Panic is irrelevant because he's a free agent and is not going to be protected. Was not protected. Uh, the but a second rounder um, for the Islanders for a guy that they weren't going to be able to keep anyways. The Islanders, no secret, had a surplus of defensemen. So I really like this for them. I also really like it for Detroit because I think Nicoletti is a very good defenseman. Um, so this is a, a win-win to me, and it should be noted the Islanders then signed Andy Green to a one-year, one million contract so that they could meet the expansion requirement for defensemen. So all around great stuff from your reigning GM of the year, Lou, Le- Lou Lamorello. Nothing but agree. And honestly, good for the Red Wings also. I mean, getting a solid defenseman and uh, sure. really taking advantage of the situation the Islanders were in. 
For sure. And Nick Letty's a guy that feels like he's been in the league forever. He's only 30 years old still, so. Yeah, got a solid four to five more years at least at as a defender, I would think. Um, and then uh, another trade: the San Jose Sharks got Aiden Hill from the Coyotes. Uh, <laughs> the Coyotes <laughs> sent uh, Aiden Hill and a seventh uh, to the Sharks. They, the Sharks gave up another a second rounder, and. I don't know. This was just very strange. I mean, Aiden, great, great on the Coyotes for getting a second round pick for a guy they weren't going to protect anyways or even care about because he's barely even done anything in his career. Um, Uh, This also blew my mind, so you're not alone. Uh, One, let's just acknowledge the Sharks and their goaltending. It might be just the worst managed goaltending situation in the league. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Martin Jones for however many years. And then finally they're like, we're going to get him some help. And was it not Dubnik they got last year? I thought they got Dubnik. They did uh, They did get Dubnik last year, yeah. And then to then get Aiden Hill from the Coyotes, which if you told me the Sharks trade with the Coyotes for a goalie, I'd be like, okay, I could see it. Because the Sharks think they could still contend for another year or two before like fully falling off. They're in denial, yep. Yeah. But to not get Kemper or even Ronta, like, oh my gosh, for Aiden Hill to be that goalie just blew blew my mind. Aiden Hill also is a restricted free agent, so I can't wait to see the contract they end up giving him after this trade. My God. Uh, and then the Coyotes also got Andrew Ladd at a salary dump trade and three future draft picks from the Islanders. So the Islanders get some cap space. Um, and I, literally this happens every single offseason. <laughs> like every single – they now have – like I saw it was – they have like Andrew Ladd, Marion Hossa, Danny Heatley. They're paying all these retired guys still because they just take these contracts. It's – like that's the Coyotes' purpose in the NHL, I think, is to just take on contract. Like, uh, God, get them out of the desert. Sorry. All right. Well, last, they're out of the Pacific, so the last big trade that we should, well, kind of a two two trades is uh, we'll start we'll start with the Flyers Predators deal. Um, so the Flyers get Ryan Ellis in exchange for Philippe Myers and uh, Nolan Patrick. This was an incredibly interesting trade that could have turned out to be a win-win for both teams until the Predators flipped Nolan Patrick for Cody Glass. And then I really got angry at the Predators because I don't understand what they're doing at that point. Um, Whoa, now I have questions. Okay, continue. So Cody Glass has kind of proven he can't score in the NHL. Um, He was kind of a fringe prospect when the Knights drafted him to begin with. Um, and he just has done nothing. Uh, Nolan Patrick is a guy who just finally played his first like healthy season. Didn't do great. Didn't do terrible. Uh, but he was the second overall pick years ago. And he's only gotten to play one year so far. He's still just 22 or 23 years old. There's still a lot of potential there. I don't really see the potential with Cody Glass. And now the Golden Knights just get even richer by getting Nolan Patrick for a failed prospect. So I hated that. Now, for the Flyers' perspective, I thought this was excellent. Um, If you watched the Flyers last year, you know defense was a huge issue. 
They were so unorganized, so terrible. Ryan Ellis is really a guy that can help solidify and bring some structure to that defensive unit. And they're going to pair him with Ivan Provorov, and that's going to be disgusting. And he signed through 2027 at not a bad cap hit. So I really, really loved that for the Flyers. Um, It is a risk trading Patrick, I think. Um, Philippe Myers is still pretty young, too, and he was supposed to be a good prospect. He's kind of a failed prospect also. Just a lot of failed prospects getting flipped around. Maybe a change of scenery will help everyone, but I have my doubts. Ultimately, Flyers, huge winners, I think is the bottom line here. And Vegas will probably turn out to be another winner, I would think, in this trade. Completely agree. Flyers' biggest winner of this. Uh, I mean, Myers was going to be protected probably as their third defense since they get three anyways, and Patrick was unprotected. Um, They basically just upgrade the defense spot, make sure they don't lose Patrick for nothing. Um, I feel like there's a decent amount of talk as far as who is people would prefer to have between Nolan Patrick and Cody Glass. I have a few Flyers fans who have already said they would prefer to have Cody Glass than Patrick. Um, but that that will probably remain up in the air. I feel like especially next year, Nolan Patrick will be more successful just because I feel like Vegas is set up better, especially offensively than Nashville. But uh, yeah, great on the Flyers for pulling this off. And um I don't hate it for the Preds. I was a little surprised. I know they talked about moving Ekholm all of last year up until the trade deadline. And then because they were... Oh, and I should note, Philly was in on Ekholm or Ellis the whole time. Um, And then when Ekholm started playing great and Nashville was in a playoff spot, they said, never mind, we're not moving him. So for Ellis to be the one moved after all this, I was a little surprised. But yes, great on the Flyers. Yeah, the Predators seem to be doing a miniature rebuild here now, tra- trading Ellis and Arvidsson uh, mm-hmm. for essentially prospects. Um, and they they freed up about 11 mil in cap. So that's good, I guess. Uh, Cody Glass and P- Nolan Patrick are both 22 years old, it should be noted. So again, maybe a change of scenery will help both, but I don't know. And fun little note, um, Vegas is now general manager, Kelly McCrimmon, uh, used to own the Brandon Wheat Kings where Nolan Patrick played uh, juniors. So they kind of know each other already. So that's probably also why he knows the potential there and wanted him a cool little tidbit there. And I think that's all that's worth bringing up at this point because we'll have a longer thing talking about everything else later. Um, and then college hockey really quick schedules are out. Um, there's a lot of good, a lot of good interconference games, uh, this season. So if you haven't seen your favorite team schedule yet, definitely take a peek. There's some interesting ones, uh, specifically RIT opens the year against Boston college, I think, which is odd to get an Atlantic hockey team doing that. Uh, but they will. And then Mercyhurst and Penn State play each other this year, which is cool because they'll pro- Mercyhurst probably just taking Robert Morris's spot as the in-state rival, I would imagine, um, with Penn State. And then um, I know North Dakota and Quinnipiac will also play this year, which will be very fun as well. So 
Um, yeah, that's about it. And um, last, last uh, question about hockey. Mm-hmm. So, I know you will be doing a recap, review, uh, analysis, all that on the expansion draft. But after protected lists are out today, who are the top two to three people you think Seattle should go after and build their team around essentially and just make it work with the cap and positions after those, they get those three people should or will. How about two of each? Okay. Well, first off, I, I think the cap should be, and will be irrelevant because even if they were to take, every player they possibly could that has the highest cap hits available, they'll still be so well under the cap by the end of this. I mean, it's, it's 30 players and half of them are going to be making like two, two mil or less. Um, so there's really only a handful of guys that are, you know, have like seven mil cap hits or above. So I don't think they need to worry about the cap at all. Um, to answer your question, I know since the start, Seattle has kind of come out and said that they would prefer to take it slower and build through the draft. But now also, I think now seeing how things have happened, they didn't really get any of those, you know, here's here's some draft picks, take this guy, or here's some draft picks, don't take this guy. And looking at who's available, I think they're going to have to change that approach because they can be – legitimately a cup contending team looking at who's available right out the bat if they choose to go that route and they didn't get a stock style of draft picks you know so it's it's like you can still build through the draft if they choose because they could still take there's some good prospects still from each team available they could just take those guys instead and kind of suck for a couple of years and really build through the draft that way or you can take these high profile guys and just trade them um, you know, once a year gets going for draft picks. So they could still do that, but I think they'd be smarter to compete. And the way you do that is you take some of these really, really good players that are available. There's a couple no-brainers that I think they should take. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is one of them. I think you should take him, and I think they will. Um, because, yes, he has injury problems. Yes, he hasn't really played much over the last two seasons. But he's proven. He's a proven goal scorer, and he's a guy that will sell a lot of jerseys. And I believe he's only under contract for two more years anyways, so even if it's a complete miserable fail, again, you don't really have to even worry about the cap right now. Certainly for the next couple years, you won't. So I think that's an absolute no-brainer. Could turn out really, really well for them. Um, And add a scoring punch right away. And the other guy... um, I think you consider Vitek Vanacek of the Capitals as your goalie. I know from the very beginning, they've been saying, oh, Chris Dreiger's our guy. Chris Dreiger's our guy. And they're still kind of on that. But now when you look at these goalies available, and maybe not even Vanacek, he's the youngest. Uh, Carey Price is a no-brainer as well. Um, Matt Murray's available. I know he struggled, but... I mean, he's still there. There's so many goalies available in this draft. Auntie Ranta's there. Ben Bishop's there. Talk about a guy with two years left. on a. He's only making six mil per. Yes, he has injury issues just like Tarasenko. But again, if you take Ben Bishop and Vladimir Tarasenko, for example, and they stay healthy, that could be such a steal 
for the Seattle Kraken. It's very intriguing. Um, but I, I'm in the boat that they go for it, and I think you should be taking Carey Price and Vladimir Tarasenko. That's who I would take. I would also take James Van Riemsdyk. I would take Max Domi. Um, I would not take Ryan Johansson. Maybe Matt Duchesne. Um, and yeah, I think you just kind of build a really good team year one, and they'll probably be in the playoffs year one if they do go that route because you and I both know, I mean, there is plenty out there. You can be a legitimate cup contender year one. Yeah, uh, especially at goalie, as you mentioned. Um, Kapo Kakinen, just another name that... Another one, yep. Is, I I know uh, wasn't mentioned just now, but so many options at goalie. Completely agree about Tarasenko um, and JVR. I think I will not be surprised at all if Voracek gets taken uh, because I know Seattle has talked to Philly um, from what I've seen. Don't be surprised if you see two firsts and Voracek headed to Seattle because I know they're asking Price to specifically take a certain guy, his two first-round picks. They're not doing this Vegas route of give us a pick. They're like, if you don't want us to take a certain player, this is the price for it uh so it really makes teams decide but even if five teams do that that gives them six first round picks this year next uh they will be a dynasty um personally i think i've said this uh on twitter i'm not going after carry price just because there are and carry price is making 10 and a half mil i know it's carry price uh so still not i don't also. think it should be the deterrent though because again it's not going to matter I think it will matter. Uh, having gone through and selected guys, and I mean, yes, like cap max cap is eighty one and a half, uh, and there's only a few guys at those seven or eight mil years. But I think there's a lot of guys who could just be great for this team in that three to five range. Um, and when you think about, it, you have thirty guys. Your average for a guy can only be like two point seven five. So, uh, also you want to resign some. I think it will play more of an impact uh, than like most people do, but that's just me. I also, if I'm Seattle, really want to see or would really be trying to sign Dougie Hamilton in free agency. Um, I know that would count as Carolina, their pick from Carolina, but I mean, to have a guy like Dougie Hamilton leading your defense and also having Ron Francis there, I, I think they make it work. But yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, there's there's just there's so many good players at every position. Honestly, the the weakest position just from glancing at all the lists is probably center for me. Um, I don't think there's like a ton of good centers, but other than that, I mean, every other spot there's so That's many cool. good players. And like, goal, we talk about goalies, defense. There's so many guys, especially too. It's it's just nuts. Um, and I have noticed hockey people in general are more upset this go round after seeing the protection list than they ever were with Vegas. And that makes me happy a little bit, you know, maybe not everybody will all of a sudden be cracking fans uh, like they were with Vegas. So it warms my heart a bit because it's just as absurd as it was last time, maybe even worse this, this go round. It might be worse to me just because Vegas is still exempt. Uh, it almost makes me hate Vegas even more than Seattle still. Like, oh yeah, uh, like I, I'm not putting that against Seattle. I'm putting that against Vegas still, even though 
it's the NHL's decision. Um, but yes, centers, especially like you said, there's just not those elite guys, but there's a lot of those like very, very solid third or third line guys or like decent second line guys, but everywhere else, just so much talent available. I wonder how many rumors come out of, look, they're going to get all these quality players. Maybe should Seattle be in the mix for Jack Eichel? Just trade someone they get along with a pick they get? Possibly. I don't know if they will be, but there's your there's your elite center. They could. But yeah, enough about they hockey until uh, you do your recap and analysis of the expansion draft and NHL draft. Yes, and you can join me on that. Uh, we'll shoot for thursday maybe that friday we'll see but anyways we can talk about that later um and then yeah college hockey so robert morris is apparently now maybe being saved but it's too too little too late so that's all i had to say on that um premier league starts in under a month victor august 14th week one of the premier league season get excited I am. Woo! And speaking of soccer, the Euros finished since we last recorded with Italy beating England in penalties. So that was cool. And uh, then, uh, you know, England being England uh, was very racist towards the guys that missed their penalties and now could face banning from the World Cup because of their fans. So stay classy, England. Stay classy. Not that, you know, Americans aren't racist too. That's not what I'm saying. But like they come on, you know, be better. It's it's a penalty shootout. It's a dumb way to end the game anyways. Like you don't need to whatever. All right. I digress. Um and then lastly, baseball. Spencer would hate us if we did not talk baseball. So I only found but... two things. What? I said he won't know anyways, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, he never listens anyways when he's not on it, so... Um, oh, you know what? Three things now, actually. I forgot about something I saw this morning. So, um, first up, Lance Lynn and the Chicago White Sox agreed to a two-year, $38 million extension. Um, I don't know a ton about Lance Lynn. I know he used to pitch for the Cardinals. Um, feels like a hell of a lot of money for a guy. Um Oh, here we go. So he's 34 years old. So far this year, he has an AL best 199 ERA. And he's 9-3. and three, So 18.5 mil per for the next two years seems like a, a bargain, I guess. Um, Next, Jake DeGrom is back on the injured list, unfortunately, uh, with tightness in his forearm. I think that's the same exact thing that he was out with last time. Um. He still has a major league best 108 ERA and is seven and two this year. He is disgusting. He would win the Cy Young, might still if he can get back soon, so, but that's unfortunate for baseball that he is out. And then the last thing uh, was that there was a shooting at the Nationals game um, last night, Saturday, or Saturday night. Yep. Um, Gunshards. Gunshots kind of echoed around the park, and everybody had to take cover. Uh, turns out it was out right outside the stadium, um, not in, which I guess was good. But uh, three people were shot, and 
they had to uh, basically duck. I mean, it was a scary, scary thing. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Will Myers, Fernando Tatis, and Manny Machado of the Padres, who, after the cops had locked the gate to the field when all of this was happening, they went out, unlocked it, and invited fans to come hide in their dugout and take cover in the Padres dugout, which was a very, very classy move from them. So shout out them for being human beings, unlike the police officers that were there. And yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got. And then the MLB draft did happen, um, and we will cover that when Spencer is back on. Yes. Uh, Spencer has basically taken a leave of absence from Top Cheddar strictly for only this, uh, the MLB draft prep, and no other reason, right? Um, so we... Right, yeah. One. Uh, but yes, that, that time frame I'm not sure of, and that will be at the mercy of his schedule. He should be back next week. Should be. Should be. Should but we'll see. Uh, that's any, anything else? Yeah, I'm trying. You know, did you want to touch on the PLL? I know you said you wanted to. I'm trying to think. It's been two weeks. Like, what else happened in two weeks? Uh, yeah, we can touch on the PLL. Um, at this point in time, PLL is in what they are calling week six of their eight week season. Um, it is the All Star weekend. And this does take the place of games for a week. So there are only seven actual weeks of gameplay and then the All-Star week. We'll just very quickly run through standings as of this point in time. So with two weeks remaining, some teams have three games left. Some have two or sorry, some have four, some have three. It's weird how it works out. Uh, But at this point in time, standings are... Brett's Redwoods at four and two score differential of eight. The water dogs. What? Roll Woods. Oh, the water dogs in second at four and three with a differential of seven. Atlas at four. What's that? Good for the water dogs. Second year ever doing well. Yeah. And they had a rough start too. Uh, As did Atlas, who is now sitting at four and two. Um, I think winning four straight after starting. Oh, and two. They have a differential of, Plus three. The whip snakes sit in the f- four spot at four and two with a differential of minus seven, actually, for them. Um archers sit in the fifth spot at three and three with a differential of plus twenty-two. And then Chrome. Oh no. Chrome sits at sixth at two and four with a minus nine. Chaos at two and four with a minus twelve. And cannons, uh, this year's expansion team in last at two and five with a minus 12 i believe cannon started two and oh and have lost five or no started one and oh lost five straight and then beat archers this past week so hopefully a bounce back for them and i think seven of the eight teams make it in this year's playoff bracket i i know first gets a buy so i think it's seven out of the eight they don't want everybody to make it and then some teams will play for the pick if they do not advance to play for the championship. So, yes, everybody fighting to stay out of that eighth spot and especially a fight for the first spot who gets the bye. 
I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think I did see, yeah, last place doesn't make playoffs, which is different from years past. Um, so, yeah, cannons, yeah, sad, sad face. Yes. Uh, and then the all star rosters were selected, and to go through them very quickly. After they did their draft, uh, in which captains were Grant Ament of Archers and Blades Reardon of Chaos, uh, one team consists of Grant Ament, Marcus Holman, Will Manny, Jeff Teat, Tom Schreiber, Brian Cuspiel, Paul Rabel, Zach Courier, Mike Schloss- Schlosser, Zach Goodrich, Dominique Alexander, Scott Ratliff, Tucker Duncan, Garrett Apple, Eddie Glazner, Graham Hosick. Trevor Baptiste, Stephen Kelly with goalies of Tim Troutner and Adam Gettleman. And then your other team is Blaze Reardon, Lyle Thompson, Rob Pinnell, Zed Williams, Josh Byron, Miles Jones, Sergio Perkovic, Kyle Harrison, Jake Fricaro, Dane Smith, Jake Bernhardt, Danny Dan Logan. BYU. Dan Smith. Yeah, Dan Smith, BYU. Yes. <laughs> Jake Bernhardt, Danny Logan, Mike. Earhart, what? Do you remember the key field, the East West Bowl? Yes, after all their the crazy names. Yeah, Dan Smith, BYU. Well, that's why at first I thought it was Dane, and then you corrected me, but I was like, but it could be Dan because the way it's spelled, I was just suddenly questioning it. But yes, uh, Jared Newman, Brody Merrill, Matt Dunn, Jack Rowlett, uh, TD, is it TD Ireland? Ireland of the Redwoods, Ireland, Ireland. Ireland. Uh, Joe Nardella, and then Kyle Burnlor in goal, along with Blaze Reardon. So, congrats to all the All Stars. Uh, quite a bit of them, but it is a full roster. And as of you were listening to this, all their All Star game and uh, skills competitions are last night because it is Sunday night uh, in San Jose. So. They will be oh, back that on. That is tonight. What time? Uh, I think the All Star game is at seven p.m. and then skills competition seven p.m. Eastern with skills competition following around nine thirty Eastern start. Oh shit! I might have to watch that. Yeah, uh, I don't know why they chose to do it all in the same day. I guess just if it's not enough to really host a day's worth. Um, but it also seemed interesting to me to have guys do skills competitions after running and playing an entire game. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, so keep an eye on the PLL uh, in the next two weeks. I think they don't have any other bye weeks left uh, to see who gets that first spot, who gets eliminated from playoff contention, and what those playoff matchups will be. And that's all I have for the PLL. And- all right. Keep an eye out for our expansion draft analysis being released. Either it'll either be released on Friday morning or Saturday morning, depending. So, are you keeping the NHL entry draft in that because that is Friday and Saturday? That I was originally going to do separately, but yeah, we'll do that separate. Okay. Just uh, to I might be the only one on the NHL draft one, but I'll have either 
Will and or Victor with me for the expansion draft one. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Yeah, cool. So yes, uh, lots of hockey thoughts stuff coming out along with hopefully a uh, MLB one. Yes, run by Spencer. And thank you for tuning into Top Draft Sports. Keep it easy. Oh God.